awesome to worship together, and uh, man, Micah was playing drums, which I think means Micah plays like seven instruments. I'm hoping in heaven someday I can play one, uh, but hey, welcome, glad you're here, and um, it's great to, to worship together, to gather together. Uh, if we haven't met, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and it's a treat to have you here. I know it takes courage coming to a new place if you're new, so welcome, sit back, relax. We've been in this series looking at why it matters, looking at some different habits and, and practices, some, some rhythms of life that we see throughout the scripture of, of kind of calling us into something. And tonight I want to look at something that we don't really talk a lot about, especially in our culture. Uh, but before I get to that, I want to talk about rope. Uh, because rope is very useful, right? And you can use it to tie things down in your truck. You can use it in a lot of different ways. And this rope in a lot of ways can be used for so many different things. And there's a practice in the Midwest and Canada where farmers and ranchers use rope for one specific purpose. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a blizzard before? Not like if you eat Dairy Queen blizzard, okay? We just assume everyone does that. But like a real blizzard where like you could not see, right? So I remember uh, Amy and I were in Colorado for a while. We were driving back home one time coming over the pass and it started to snow and we were like, ah, it's fine. But like when truckers start pulling over, that's a clue. That's a clue, okay? So like driving in that and you realize it, you become so disoriented of trying to figure out even where the road is and where the lines are and who's stopped and who's not. And anyone ever been driving in that kind of situation before? It's pretty scary, isn't it? And in the Midwest, in the Great Plains, and in Canada, there's this thing that meteorologists often talk about for ranchers and farmers because they still have to get out and work. And what they talk about is tying a rope from your back door to the barn. And the reason they suggest that is because so many farmers and so many ranchers have actually gone out in blizzards just to try to go to the barn. That's, what, 100 yards away? Uh, and it's been a whiteout conditions, and it's a blizzard condition, so much so that they can't even hardly see your hand in front of your face. And so many farmers, so many ranchers and times in the Great Plains and Canada and regions that suffer from this get so disoriented that sometimes they can't even make it back home and back into the, front, into the back door, and they die within steps of where safety and home can be. That's incredibly sad. And what they need is a guideline. You, you need a rope that you can hold on to. And tonight, I wanna talk about this ancient practice of Sabbath, and here's why. I think, uh, this is my statement, but I believe in our Western culture, we live in blizzard whiteout conditions. Not from snow, mind you, but from busyness. And Sabbath, in the tradition of what it is, the pattern of what it is, the habit of what it is to be, is almost like this spiritual guideline, this spiritual rope that we can hold on to even in the midst of the blizzard conditions around us, where our schedules are crammed full and overflowing, where the cultural pace and push within where we live, no one is immune to it. In fact, it continually almost kind of pushes us to do more, to achieve more, to acquire more, to, to go and do more. And there's nothing wrong with being busy, but there is this 
internal and kind of this cultural push and current in our culture that almost can sweep us away and disorient us to what really matters and to the things that, that really should draw our hearts and our attention and almost to this place that we live with zero or very little margin. And who gets crowded out in the midst of that is often God. He gets pushed to the edges and pushed and there's no margin left for him and the reality is we're so tired, physically, emotionally, mentally, and we push ourselves. Now, Sabbath is not this idea of, hey, be lazy. Tell your boss you need more days off. That's not what Sabbath is about. But what you see throughout the scriptures and what you see in the life of Jesus is this rhythm of Sabbath. And what I'm gonna call mini Sabbaths, which is this idea of mini moments throughout your day, and then maybe a weekly Sabbath. Uh, that maybe is not this push where you're religiously you have to have it, but it is this idea that it becomes more and more a rhythm of how you live your life. So that much so that this idea that the crowded calendar and the schedule and the current push of our culture doesn't become disoriented where you forget where the guideline rope is that can lead you back home to connect with God and to be in safety. See, we live in a culture that tends to celebrate the multitaskers, the overconnected, and those that are stretched thin. But can overproductivity actually become counterproductive? Can we get to a place where we begin to wear busyness as a badge and it actually becomes a burden and it holds us back from God's best and holds us back from what he desires. And so in the scriptures, we see this ancient kind of habit of Sabbath. And I wanna kind of unpack a little bit of what that is and then I'm gonna give you kind of four characteristics, four principles, if you will, of what an actual Sabbath means. For some of you, maybe this is a review. For some of you, like you have no idea what Sabbath means. You thought it was like a Hebrew, like chicken finger. I don't know. Uh, but like Sabbath is important. It's this idea of understanding. So this practice of Sabbath is all throughout the scriptures. You'll see it all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You see it in the life of Jesus. There's a little verse that's hidden away that um, really struck a chord with me about eight, nine years ago. And this whole practice of Sabbath has become something that I try to adhere to more and more that I didn't do very well with in my 20s and my 30s but I'm trying to get better at this and practice this. This is the verse that struck me a few years back. But Jesus, this is Luke 5, uh, Luke 5 verse 16. It's a simple little phrase. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And at first, when you read this in Luke 5, you really skim over this. In fact, it really doesn't catch your attention very much. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit to kind of to trip you up, if you will, maybe to throw you off of your groove a little bit. This verse has a deep, rich uh, wisdom to it. Jesus often withdrew. You know what's fascinating when you study the life of Jesus? Is people loved him and wanted to be around him. In fact, I don't think if Jesus did pra or didn't practice this idea of withdrawing, I don't know if he would have ever had a free moment to himself, but even the savior of the world, God himself, withdrew. There, there's something about that. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There was something going on in the midst of those moments and those experiences and those encounters that allowed him to be fully engaged when he was there 
And that's one of the things that you see throughout the gospel accounts of Jesus is Jesus just loved people so well. And people were drawn to that. Is that because he lived to the edge of the limits or is it because he had this rhythm in his life? We see this uh, all throughout creation. You think back even to Genesis and this creation account, God creating and announcing this is good, God creating and announcing this is good, and then we get the crescendo of humanity being created, and then what does God do? He rests. Okay, what do you do with that? How does an infinite, all-powerful, all-sustaining God rest? He doesn't need to. He doesn't have limits, he doesn't have edges. You do, I do. He doesn't, but he models something and he calls his creation to follow him in this pattern. See, Sabbath, at the heart of Sabbath is this idea of stopping to surrender to God in trust. That even back to the original sin in, in the Garden of Eden, uh, theologian Robert Barron said this, at the heart of the original sin is the refusal to accept God's limits and his rhythms for us. There's this one tree. Don't eat from this one tree the, the knowledge of good and evil. There's this limit, there's this edge, there's this uh, buffer, if you will. And yet humanity in ourselves and our idolatry, we, we wanna be in control and so we pursue that and we break this relationship with our all, almighty creator who gave us these limits, who gave us these patterns. Sabbath is about stopping to be with God. It's not, a, it's not about approaching God as he's the great divine uh, vending machine in the sky and I'm supposed to take some time to actually connect with him and get more things for myself. This is about being with God. This is the whole point of what we celebrate at Christmas, that Jesus is Emmanuel, he is God with us. This is this relational connection. Sabbath is about relearning how to enjoy and delight and not just consume. We live in a culture that is all about consumption and if we're not careful, it becomes the pattern and drive of our own life of about consuming the next thing, the next thing. And it's not wrong for that, but if that's all you have, then maybe you're out wandering around in the blizzard and the chaos and the commotion of life and you've lost your grip on this lifeline that I think the scriptures have called us to grab hold of, to pull back and to say, Sabbath is not about a license to become lazy. It's not about breeding laziness within. The practice of Sabbath isn't the opposite of hustle or doing our best. We are to do our best with what we've been given and what we've been entrusted to and our energy and our giftings and our drives and our passions. But this is for us to recognize that we have limits. I have edges, I have limits. In fact, say to yourself, I have limits. The reality is you do. Often we try to push through them and that's okay to, to drive yourself toward greatness and to be the best version of you, but the reality is you are in your humanity. You are not God and you have limits. And this practice of Sabbath is to call us back to this. We are invited to reconnect with our creator and to be refueled in the process. We are to be poured into so that we can then be poured out to invest into others around us. The practice of Sabbath is remembering that we are not what we produce. And in our culture, we are measured by what we produce. 
whether that's school, whether that's work, whether that's sports, whether that's whatever it may be, we are measured by what you produce and you are therefore put a value by what you produce, but not so with God. You are not worth what you produce to God. You are invaluable to him because he pursues you and he says that you have value. You are valued because of whose you are, not what we do. We are a human being, not a human doing. And so this ancient practice of Sabbath actually finds its roots clear back into the creation story we read about, but also into Exodus chapter 20. This is the 10 commandments, right? And so God's listing out these 10 commandments, and a lot of times we approach the 10 commandments and list them as, well, here's the rules, God says. But the reality is you have to understand what God is doing as he's bringing his people out of captivity, what he's wanting to do is create a relationship connection. Here's how this relationship is gonna work its best. Here's how you're gonna flourish and be everything I am rescuing you to be. You're to love me with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You're, You're to have no one else besides me. I wanna be the adoration of your heart, God's saying. You'd want that in any relationship that you're committed to. You don't want side things. You want the one true love to have your affection. And then he goes on, he talks about Sabbath. Here's what he says, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. He's tied back to the creation story. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is like this long thing. There's this short uh, 10 commandments, but this is a really long one. And God's saying something. And in order for us to maybe fully understand what he's trying to say to these people who have been in captivity for 400 years, you have to understand what he's calling them to by understanding what they've been in, okay? So if you're a Hebrew slave, captive in, in uh, Egypt, do you know what you did on Mondays? You made bricks, yeah, all day. You know what you did on Tuesday? More bricks, yeah. You know what you did on Wednesday? Guess what? More bricks. Thursday? Yep. All weekend? Bricks. You know what you did on Monday? Did you get Labor Day off? No. You know what you had to do? You had to make bricks, okay? So you are captive. You are the property of Pharaoh. And what you do from the age that you are able, you make bricks and you carry bricks. You move bricks. You pick up pieces of bricks that break and you make new bricks. In fact, you make bricks every single day. And then when Pharaoh gets mad, he takes away some of the ingredients that you need to make bricks and he says, figure it out, make more bricks. And so this is all you know. You are what you produce. That's your value in that culture and in that context. And God is calling them out of this. He calls them to the wilderness. Who owns the wilderness? Nobody. That's why he called them there. He is now saying, I'm the ownership over you. And I'm telling you, you work hard. And you work for those six days. But on the seventh day, you are to also practice rest. Because you are not what you produce. You are mine. 
And this is so deep in our psychology, so deep into our understanding of what is going on. Your value is not based on what you produce. Yet we live in a culture that says your value is based on what you produce. Let me ask you questions. Can you be you without doing anything? Are you you apart from what you do and create and produce? Do you need to be doing something in order to find your value and worth? Is your life defined by your bricks? It's the search that we have to have. See, Sabbath is this gift from God that says we're invited to receive. We're invited to, to make this rhythm of rest a part of our life and a part of how we live our, our, our days, kind of these mini Sabbath moments that we can have throughout our day. And maybe this rhythm of a Sabbath day in a week where we're not what we do and we're not what we're trying to perform and be. And so throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible, what we see is some, some principles of Sabbath. I wanna give you four of them and unpack a little bit of this at the end. The first principle is this. The first principle of Sabbath is that you have to stop. How many of you like red lights? Not one single hand, right? Unless maybe you're a lady in the morning and you're running late and you're gonna get makeup on and that gives you a moment. Um, but this idea of, like, no one likes red lights, right? None of us go, I am so excited to be stopped again. This is awesome. I can't wait to go to the next one and stop. What we want is we crave green lights. We want to live a life on the go. This spiritual time out, if you will, this stopping, it grinds against what we know to be valuable and what we call it. And what this idea is, the Sabbath calls us to embrace our limits. And we don't like that because we want to be people who break through our limits. We want to be people who are better this year than last year. And this isn't about not betterment of yourself, but this is the idea of realizing that you are limited and it's okay. That the creator of the heavens and the earth actually made you that way. And to live outside of that is to live contrary to how you were created and how you were designed to function your best. And so it's this pursuit of I need to stop because we feel this urge of, well, I'm obviously more valuable than other people. They can stop. I can't stop. I have to keep going. I'll stop after this next accomplishment or after this next achievement. I'll stop when we get kids or when the kids are gone. That's when I'll stop and we'll hang out. We kind of always have these conditions to it, but this reality in this call is we need to stop. We are called to Sabbath because God is on his throne and you were not invited to sit there. Neither was I. That's his seat. Not yours, not mine. That there are so many things that are in front of you, friends, so many things in front of me that I want to do before my time is up here, but the reality is when my time is up, I will not have accomplished them all. That's a little frustrating to me but the reality is that's my humanity. Once you finish one challenge, guess what's coming next? Another challenge. For some of you, that drives you, and that's awesome, but here's the truth. One day your time will be up, and you will not have accomplished every challenge in front of you because you have limits. 
you have edges. You have boundaries. God doesn't. And so this call to rest is, starts with this idea of stopping. And stopping ultimately is about trust. Who am I trusting in? Am I trusting in my hustle and what I can produce and what I can do? Or am I trusting in the one who actually sits on the throne and rules over the, all of creation? Who am I trusting in? Where does it rely? Who do I trust the most? Will God actually take care of me and my concerns if I actually take a spiritual time out and a Sabbath? Will the world keep running if I actually slow down? Guess what? Yes. In my 20s and 30s, I didn't think that was true. Here's what I'm finding out in my 40s. It's totally true. The world keeps going even when I step back and take a stop. The second part of this is rest. Once we stop, Sabbath calls us to rest in God and to find our refuelment in him. So what do you do in the midst of a Sabbath? Is this just like I sit in a closet and hum? Is this I read the Bible 24 hours? Or what, what does the Sabbath actually look like? Well, we'll get to the, the end part of this. It's about contemplation with God. But really what a Sabbath is, is just finding rest. Maybe it's actually doing whatever delights and replenishes you. You just do it with God. That he's with you in the midst of that. That you've slowed down enough to actually enjoy. See, here's the truth. Bill Hybels uh, has this quote. Uh, Most of us are far too busy for our own spiritual good. I didn't like that quote at first because I thought, well, busy people accomplish something. They get things done. And the reality is, if you go busy and you wear that as a badge and you go hard for so long, you will be done. And you'll put yourself on the bench. And you won't have a longevity. You'll have had an impact, but you'll spend a lot of time on the bench. I'm convinced that I'm not a doctor, but a lot of people's medical strain and conditions that they battle I think a lot of times has to do with the pace of life that they live and the struggle that comes from that. That's not the only thing, but I think it has implications and I think it has an impact in us. The practice of resting is this idea of of pulling away from work, from uh, physical exhaustion, from hurriedness, from multitasking, from worry and anxiety, from decision making, from catching up on errands and maybe even technology of pulling away a little bit to actually find rest. That you are not a nonstop human doing. You are a nonstop human being and you have limits. The third part is this is not only do you stop and do you rest but you delight I think in our culture we have lost the ability to enjoy and delight in things and to enjoy and delight in people because we are so bent on consumption. We're so bent on this idea of doing number next and always accomplishing and moving forward. We don't slow down and pay attention enough to the gifts that God has already given us to enjoy and to delight in, to be refreshed by the people that he surrounded us with and to spend time with them, not around them, but actually with them. There's a difference. Have you ever felt yourself uh, in a conversation with someone where you're trying very quickly to speed up their sentences? 
have you ever found yourself not actually saying it out loud? If you are saying it out loud, like don't, because that's rude, but like in your mind going, okay, just stop. Just, we're done, I got it, okay? Um, and because what you're doing is you're actually setting up for what's next. You've already moved on to what you have to accomplish next, and this has actually become a hindrance. It's actually a problem. You know what's fascinating when you study the Gospels? I don't think Jesus saw people as problems. In fact, I I think that's what drew people to Jesus, is that he was so engaging in the moment that this man, this woman, was so much the image bearer of God himself in his presence there, that they are in the image of God, made in his image, given incredible value, and they have value that he was able to be present there. And I think he was able to be present there because Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think this rhythm of Sabbath, this rhythm of pulling away and resting allowed him to delight and to enjoy in those moments. Uh, The Hebrew phrase for delight is this idea of a sense of joy and completion, of wonder and of play. It's important to play in life. God invites us to slow down and pay attention to delight in people, and I think for a lot of times we have lost the ability to do that. The fourth uh, component is this idea of contemplation, that part of Sabbath is contemplation. It invites us to ponder about the love of God, his wisdom for life, and his presence in your life. It is about attuning yourself to him. We can do that corporately like we do here on Sunday nights and worship and looking into his word, but we're to do that individually as well, that we do that in our own times, in our own moments uh, of maybe silence or solitude. Dallas Willard said, silence and solitude are two of the most radical disciplines of the Christian life. And silence is something most of us fear. Thirty seconds. Most of you felt uncomfortable after ten, didn't you? Studies show that most groups of people can't handle silence after fifteen seconds. That's why they call it the kind of the fifteen-minute lull when you're in a conversation with a big group of people, and then there's the lull in the conversation, and then someone usually cracks a joke because they don't like the silence, right? In, in a world that's full of commotion and filled with distraction. Silence is the enemy. And yet Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Maybe there's something about this idea of silence and solitude. Solitude, uh, Dallas kind of describes it this way, is the practice of being absent from people and things to attend to God, to contemplate on who God is. Silence is the practice of quieting every inner voice and outer voice so that I can attend to God. It's this practice of us to be, Henry Nouwen writes this, without solitude it is impossible to live the spiritual life. 
that we see lived out in scripture. This rhythm of Sabbath matters to us physically, mentally, and to our emotional well-being, and ultimately to our spiritual growth and maturity. A few moments a day. What does that look like, Jack? You know, I don't know. Here's what I found, is I think it's different in different seasons. I know for me, sometimes it's just 20 minutes of just literally being quiet, putting my phone in airplane mode so that I can't be reached and interrupted. For some of you, you may live by yourself and like, man, silence is all around me all the time. I got a family of five, it's not. So I think it's different in different seasons of life that you're in. I think it's trying to figure out what's the right thing for you. Here's my question to you. Is this foreign in your life? This idea of Sabbath, this idea of stopping, this idea of resting and delighting and contemplating. Because if it's foreign in your life, then friend, I wonder. I wonder if you're caught up in the blizzard and maybe you're wandering around a little bit and maybe even feeling a little disoriented. And what I would encourage you to do is to grab the rope that this is a practice that I think all throughout the scriptures, over and over again in the life of Jesus and the life of his followers, this practice of Sabbath, whether it's many Sabbaths, a few minutes a day, whether it's a Sabbath a week, maybe that's um, uh, just a Sabbath away. I actually did something here this summer I've never done before. I took three days and I went to a cabin with no Wi-Fi. What? And it's the best thing I've done in five years. You know who I met with? Myself. Whew, that was interesting. Some fun parts in there. Some ugly parts in there too. Some cleansing. Some healing. I met with God. I took time to actually hang out for more than five minutes, more than just a quick speed by. I don't know if that's what you need, but here's what I do know. This rhythm of Sabbath, invite God to be in the process with you to show you what it is in your season of life right now. How do I begin to practice this? For some of you, it may be as simple as, you know what? You eat too fast. For some of you, you haven't delighted over a meal in 20 years. And for you, the challenge maybe this week is you're gonna actually chew your food. And you're gonna delight in the texture and the flavor that God actually gave some chef somewhere this ability to create it or for you to microwave it and for you to enjoy and delight in something and to actually enjoy. For others of you, maybe it's gonna be, hey, you know what, Uh, I pray in my car. I think that's awesome that you do that. Don't make that the only time you pray. You know why? Driving's distracting. (coughs) What if you were to carve out 10 minutes somewhere in your day, at night, morning, maybe lunch break, and and you actually say, okay, I'm turning off the phone, I'm putting on airplane mode, and, and I'm just, it's God, it's you and me, the best I know how for the next 10 minutes and I'm gonna read the scripture and I'm just gonna contemplate. I'm gonna think 
about you, what, what this is saying to me, about my prayers that are on my heart, the things that have captivated me. I wanna think about who you are and what you're really like and how you're active in my life. What does it look like for you to begin to practice this? A few moments each day, mini Sabbaths, or maybe a Sabbath a week, to be filled up so that you can be poured out. It's about refueling. Sabbath reminds us that we are not machines. It reminds us I am not worth only what I produce. I'm valuable because of who pursues me the creator of the heavens and the earth. This practice of Sabbath 